Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us. My name is Troy Hudkins, and this is Lessons for Life. And we are here with my guest tonight, Allison Bird. Allison Hinko Bird. Allison, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm super excited, Uncle. Is it weird that I say Uncle? <laughs> well, that's up to you. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> Just nothing bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you can even call me that too. <laughs> so to start with, who is Allison Hinko? Or uh, sorry, who is Allison Bird? <laughs> oh, I think it depends on my day. Sometimes I feel super accomplished, and Allison was like a great mom, great wife, a great housekeeper. Sometimes I, it's a day of kids, so I feel like Allison was a chauffeur and a therapist and a school teacher. Right. Sometimes it's like I just get to be Allison, who is super low, low key, easygoing, super really like super chill, super low key. Oh, uh, yeah, it just it just really depends on the day. But I think I wear a ton of hats, and they have to rotate a lot. And, it depends nice. on who I'm, the focus is that day. <laughs> right. And, and whether you have some alone time or whether you got to deal with kids, like you said, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, totally. Awesome. And uh, it's always different. Even when you have the same people in the house or whatever at one time, mm -hmm. the next day is different just because Accurate. different things. Sometimes you're a nurse or a doctor, which I did not have the school training for that. So <laughs> it just depends. You're putting on band-aids like like a rock star or else you're like negotiating like a lawyer. It just really depends on the day. It depends <laughs> on the situation and if I have backup or not. <laughs> so Allison Bird is a very diverse person. I feel like, yeah, uh -huh. but also really plain, like <laughs> loves PJ pants and... <laughs> Scary movies and 80s music and yeah, so if it, it just depends on the day and who you're going to get. Ice cream and Coke. Accurate. Yeah. Diet Coke though. Diet Coke. <laughs> um, what is your why? Oh, I think the crowd that I live with is my why. Everything that we do, everything I do kind of boils back to them. I have John and JC and Neely and... Yeah, I think everything I end up doing is my why. They, that's them. Yeah. Them. Everything They're, I do centers around them, or it centers on me being better for them. So it all just boils down to. Them. Right. So, it, is it accurate to say that uh, you spend most of your time trying to be better for other people, then not yourself? Yeah, I, I feel like I always have been a, not a people, people pleaser, but um, mom said, even from when I was a kiddo, like I, I like to be a peacemaker. I don't really like contention. I'm not afraid to like voice my opinion and be a bit blunt. I know that. <laughs> but I don't like it if it causes contention. Like I try really hard right. not to have it cause contention. And so I think a lot of what I do is, to make sure the people in my home are taken care of and whether that looks like all those random jobs or whether it looks like self-care I've learned having Daisy with special needs like you have to do some self-care and sometimes you feel pretty selfish about that but in the long run I know 
even doing that is going to better things with them. So right. even my selfishness that I view as selfish is still going to better them because I'm going to be a lot nicer to them the next day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you, do you find, um, so JC has special needs. Do you find, mm -hmm. do you find that, um, really draining on you or your relationship like with with um, your husband when jc was first diagnosed jc is 12 and when she was first diagnosed she was little she was just tiny we and we were young like john and i have been together since high school and we got married when we were 22 and we started having short people when we were 24 like we were young and so JC was born and there was no problems. And after a few days, I ended up back in the hospital. And so her life from that point on has always been often on hospital or often on sick or often on therapy or often on surgery or procedures. So it is really emotionally, emotionally and physically. Now that she's at a point where she's bigger, you're carrying all the time or you're feeding or you're diapering. So you're bathing. It's all a parent or a worker that we are so 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 fortunate to get into our home but right. yeah it is tricky but i also feel like because john and i had a pretty solid base going into this and we didn't know any better she was our first child we just knew that was kind of what parenting was, was for us we was didn't what you had to do we didn't know any different and so i feel like we are a really good team at back and forth thing Okay. He knows by the end of the day if I I'm doing homeschooling right now, which <laughs> um, love it, but at the same time is like holy smack. <laughs> yeah. so he knows at the end of the day when he is gone to work for the day, comes home, like I'm gonna need to go upstairs and not be touched or not be looked at for like an hour right. with a diet coke, and he's gonna like I'm gonna have supper ready, but he's gonna feed supper so I can go and hide out somewhere for just a bit and. And like, right. yeah, I think we just really try hard to be a really good team. And then we had Neely and that kid is like polar opposite, wild woman in her own sense. So it was like learning how to parent all over again, completely different. So. Right. How do you think you adapted to the uh, two different children? Oh, at that point we had, JC was just about five when Neely joined us. And we had just, just started having workers come in that weren't our family. Like we were pretty tight, tight, we're a pretty tight group of family anyway. Um, but we also were pretty nervous about having outside sources coming in and giving us a hand. But as she's gotten a little bit bigger and, you know, we want her to have a little bit more. It's just not cool to have mom and dad all the time anymore. <laughs> and so right. having workers slowly coming in really made us take a break and focus on ourselves and kind of recharge ourselves. So then when this new little person came in at five, we were starting to have workers and to help with JC. So we were able to really focus on doing some one-on-one -on -one with Neely. JC just started kindergarten. So I was able to do like mom and baby swimming or mom and baby music classes that I got to do with JC. So I think that big space between them really, really enabled us to dive in again. Like it was really parenting brand new again over again nice there was that gap so Lear learning the whole new parenting yeah a totally different child like the kid crawling out of her crib at 11 months and climbing upstairs at 11 months and the other kid slept in a crib till she was four and you're like i don't know what to do with her like, <laughs> she's so so busy and wild like yeah fun, but i don't know what to do 
Nice, nice. Um, <laughs> so f- obviously your family, your your husband and your children are very important. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Who has been your biggest influence in your life? Do you think your mother or your father? Those are tough. You can't really say one without the other. Okay. And I guess it's different for everybody's situation, depending on their relationships with their parents. Right. Right. For me, I grew up with a pretty solid set of parents. Like they were pretty tight. And I feel like all of us kids called dad the ringleader of our circus. So <laughs> he it, legit, <laughs> legit. He had a lot of he had a lot of things that he he um instilled in us and showed us. There were things that were important to him that he passed yeah. down, and there were things important to mom that she passed down. Mom was always super independent. Like she was the oldest of all three of you boys and she was bossy and not afraid to be bossy with us. Oh yeah. But she also really pushed us to be independent and to work hard at things and practice. And like, she also gave of her time, you know, all of us, if we had an inkling of something we would want to try, like between piano lessons, soccer, ballet, tap dancing, horseback riding, like any of those things, she really, okay, yep, we'll try this and see how it goes. So She pushed us to do those things. And my dad was kind. He was not judgy. He was not, um, he just really always tried to work hard at building your relationships, keeping those relationships. And lots of times he would call me and just ask, have you talked to any of your siblings? And you're like, well, talk about me for a few minutes. Like I'm a middle (laughs) child and I need you to validate that I'm... That I exist. Yes, they're fine. I did talk to them this morning because we're very tight. So I feel like my mom and dad really pushed different things for for us and they were different different importances. They were really yin and yang. And I was really fortunate that that's the way I grew up because nice. I know lots of my other friends would would have one or the other because the other was not involved or but, there was lots of different. But Or even if they were both there, only one that they gravitated towards. Really, totally. I felt like I could be comfortable with either Either of my parents, I didn't fear either of them or any of that. So, except when you were bad, Uncle, <laughs> even then you didn't fear them. <laughs> I remember watching my dad spank one of my sisters, and she like walked away like, "All right." So I, he was not scary, and my, my mom was like, "Not." She had like a look. You were scared of her look. You did not want to disappoint oh, yeah. more than yeah. anything. I think yeah. you know the look. Like, oh yeah, it, it, cool. they were not. I. I felt like I just had really great relationships and that completely changed even through high school and being a grown up and having kids. Like my dad was famous for late night Chinese food on the weekend and you would have like pretty philosophical talks with him because that was when you got to sit and have one-on-one time with him. And my mom always tried to have like, Oh, we'll go for a girl's lunch. She really tried to, they just worked really hard at their relationships with their kids, which make us work really hard at our relationships with each other. Nice. So then with, with both your parents then, um, what, what of their traits, their good traits that you've grown up with, mm-hmm. would you like to pass to your littles? Oh, I think, I think because we have a JC in our life, we try really hard to be compassionate and um, involve everybody really be aware of inviting everybody to the party like right. it is and that's something that my dad was really all about um 
if there was a standoff kid, you always, you invite them. You just invite. That's your job. You're, you're just here to love everybody and that's your job. So Everyone's that would be something involved. I'd really, yeah. And I feel like because we have JC, we're even more aware of that, of making sure you're inviting everybody, making sure you're including. And my mom was just very independent. She taught us that to be independent and to be happy with your accomplishments and be proud of yourself. So I want my girls to work hard and feel pride in what they've done, whether it's completing it or whether it's doing the best they could. Right, right. So like with JC, not, not having her just sit off in the corner totally. and everybody else do their thing. She needs to totally. be part of it. Like, right. yes, we, whatever we can do to have her be included. And her sister is so mindful of that and so aware of that. So I feel like that's fortunate. Family reunions, throwing her in the canoe and all the big boy cousins holding aside. So she's not tipping right. big boy cousins, strapping her onto them and taking her down the zip line. When yeah. we went whitewater rafting as a family, strapping her in the middle, like she, she was the one that stayed dry. Everybody else got soaking wet, but she loved it. And she, yeah. I just feel like anything that you can do to have these special spirits be included, you do. It's only going to get harder as they get bigger. So make the point now that you just do that because that will, and that would be exactly like that. Oh, someone's not sitting close enough. Wheel her in or pass right. her over. So. Right. That was something that my dad was just about. You include everybody. Yeah. I remember coming up to your place one time and we had Charlie with us, mm -hmm. who is, for people that don't know, she's one of my other granddaughters. Um, and I remember her and Neely playing and JC was laying on the floor and stuff. And they would always bring her toys and put stuff mm -hmm. in front of her because mm -hmm. they wanted her to be part of their playing. Mm -hmm. Or they would grab stuff and come over and sit in front of her and play in front of her mm -hmm. so that she could join in. I, I always thought that was awesome. I think little people are more in tune than big people. Oh, definitely. I'm positive they are. Because I think, as, people... we, I think as we grow older, mm -hmm. we, we get a mindset. And it's kind of, Nancy and I talk about it often where we try really hard with our grandkids to allow them to always imagine, mm -hmm. you know, when you're playing things like you imagine you're the princess or the race car driver and mm -hmm. stuff. And you just, you know, you flip over that box and you sit inside it and it's a spaceship. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and as, yep, totally. as a people, we quash that as they get older and i we we always try to let the kids imagine whatever they want because the more you quash it and tell them you know don't do that or don't talk like that or don't think about that now you're squishing all those dreams and ideas so then does that part of your brain go away mm-hmm you know, over the years, like little people are so in tune and you see it with, with people, you know, I mean, you know, auntie doesn't walk real well or anything, but she went down to the States to visit Cassidy and the boys and, and Janine and uh, little Finley is as young as he is. His job was to grab her purse all the time. And he would, <laughs> as soon as she would stand mm -hmm. up, he'd go running and get the purse. Like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Let's, let's, where are we going? I yep. need to carry this for you kind of thing. Right. And little kids I, are yep, so in tune with stuff. 
I can't tell you how many moms or dads walking with short people walk past us and you can see in their eyes they're wondering about Casey because she's in a wheelchair and yep. she wears a bib because sometimes she's truly or she'll reach out and wave and um and you can see they, they're very very inquisitive and parents just it's almost like they clam up and they're like oh I don't want to make it awkward and I'm like make it awkward talk to us and ask your questions that's the only way people learn but, and and, at and the keep same going time that that isn't awkward. That's natural. Totally. Totally. They're right. just wondering. Awkward is seen. when they walk by like this and they don't totally. want to make it awkward. Yeah. Oh, I always I think, oh, this... I wanna... or I make it awkward where I'm like, are you wondering about her wheels? We love her wheels. The cousins provide it all the time. Like, and, <laughs> right. and quite often, I almost feel like that gives the parents permission to slow their walk so that they can, like, I just feel like this, it's the time. You just... You love everybody and that's the way you do it you teach you're just teaching right? yeah so, yeah you let yeah. you let it be and you let it happen that's awesome um you have two sisters and a brother mm -hmm. i know that <laughs> <laughs> i had to think about it for a second um what kind of impact did your siblings have mm -hmm. on your life and who you are now Oh, we all grew up in the same house with the same parents who taught the same way. And we are four very, very different kids. I have an older sister and she is a black and white. Like she just, she's just that, she's a good older sister. Cause she was, don't do that. Cause that's not right. Do this. Cause this is right. Like she was just a good leader. Cause she was the firstborn, and and frankly, I just think my parents tried really hard for that firstborn kid. <laughs> she just had well, that was really good. And that was their learning. Right? The right? They, was their learning. She, she's just one of those really great, you can turn to her because you know she's a leader, she's thoughtful, she's kind. She's just that kind of person. Right. And then, I don't know, I felt bad for my parents. I'm sure I was like a Tuesday night after MASH and Chinese food born kid like it was, yeah. I got all the redonk kind of vibes from my parents all the ridiculous genes yeah. um and then Leslie came and Leslie is very tender and she's very sweet and she's very kind like my dad she doesn't like to ruffle feathers she's she's just very sweet and kind and it's almost to a fault where where that sister gets those and but those are some of the my favorite things about her she's very kind she's very sweet yeah and would do anything for you she would just that's just how she is even and then my brother even if it hurts her like you yeah. talk about yeah i want to give 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 to my family and that's yeah. leslie yeah good to the end and then yeah. mikey was like a stretch after us three busy girls so that poor boy was like mom and sister manhandled all the time <laughs> We watched some of the videos and I'm like, oh, we just, no wonder that kid Poor didn't guy. talk till he was like, <laughs> no wonder he didn't walk till he, like, just all these little mothers all over him. But I also feel like that just speaks to how much we love him so much and we're yeah. so grateful. He's like the baby in our family. He is the best uncle. Like, my kids have uncles and they're, all of them are fabulous, but Uncle Mikey is he just loves our kids so much yeah. he's over them after his period of time because <laughs> they like crawl him like a tree but he right. just loves them so much loves them so so much 
And I think he he's a hard worker when somebody pushes him and that's one of his strengths. He will learn and he will do things if somebody's helping him and showing him. And I just think that's like courage to keep trying and push right. himself. And I think, I think that's some of the best qualities from all my siblings. And I don't know, I don't know what I get from them, but I get to watch that. And I hope that they can go to my kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, what person do you think outside of your family has had the largest impact on your life? Outside of my family. You know what? I, I, I watched Jenny's and Graham's again because I was like, I need to maybe like own up on a couple of these questions because I don't think. <laughs> and this was the same one that I thought about and was like, ooh, I had so many people that fluctuate through. And so, so uh, pick one or two. What would be. What would be one or two people that do you think, you know, had a had a big influence or a large impact on you? Um, in grade besides six, your uncle, of course. Like top top influencer, right? But you're right. in my family. Yeah. I can't talk about that. <laughs> um, my grade six teacher, her name was Mrs. Wilson, and I remember when we were moving into her class, um, there was two different grade six classes. And I was put into one class and all my friends were in the other. And I was super disappointed and super frustrated. It was, it was, um, and my mom was kind of like, oh, you'll make friends. It'll be fine. And I was like, this is like a mean teacher, mom. I don't want to go to this class. I don't even have my friends and this teacher is so mean. And I remember thinking like, oh, this year is going to be terrible. And she was honestly a tough teacher, but she was also so, she just made you want to do good things for her. She made you want to work hard. She made you want to push yourself to do better. Like I've, I've never really, school has never been super hard for me, which is probably not in a jerky way, but it's just that's something Denny and I used to, she used to complain, oh, you can just do a test. And I was like, I just I have like a weird memory where I can remember stuff. It's not smartness. Let me, like, I promise it's not smartness. It's just like that photo memory thing. <laughs> but she just really made you want to try hard and put yourself in school. And at grade, at a grade six level, I don't, I, I can still think of her years, years, years later and remember her and nice. really worked hard and wanted her kids, like her students to do well. Nice. And then one of my mom's friends, um, Margot Moffat is, you know, Margot, like this short, very like feisty woman who yep. I remember her saying often to me, um, you just do your best. You don't care about what anybody else says. And she was always, you don't need a man. You just work hard because you can do it as like a, a woman. And she was always a real builder upper. And, and so growing up, even, you know, John and I, we back through Europe and we got to stop off and see her for a week and it felt like it felt like going home she was such a important part of our childhood she was at our house often we had her come to family dinners like she was just important to our family and she was somebody that really had lots of great advice and really nice. like a, a thing that was really just built you up and taught you that you can just do things so so from her what what would be one piece of advice that she said to you that you have used or have taken in and you've been part of your life 
um, she always said to me, don't sweat small things. Don't let all these little things build up to be something that is going to break you. There are way, way bigger things that can break you. So don't focus on the little things and work really hard to like, combat those big things, she always said. Nice. Don't sweat the small stuff. And having like short people or relationships, it is so easy to focus on a lot of those little things. But I'm reminded of that often. Like, this is not a big thing. Like when I'm at it, Don, this morning, because you can bust through something quicker. My short kids got up five times. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so tired. It's just not not worth it to let those things really, really rile you because there are right. a lot more big things coming along the way that you need to focus and right. overcome. So, yeah, yeah, that's something I think about often. She wrote me a beautiful letter, like when I got married, and that's one of the main things that she wrote in it. Nice, nice. That is awesome. Who is your idol? Who do you look at and say, you know, I want to be like them or I want to stand for what they stand for and that kind of thing? Who would you say would be your biggest idol? I say a celebrity, I'll seem really ridiculous. If I say a family member, someone's feelings will hurt. <laughs> I I don't know if I have an idol. You can, you can say a celebrity, <laughs> but then qualify your choice. Like, give us a reason why you think that person is. No, there's not. No, so. there's not really. <laughs> I feel no. If I if I scroll through my People magazine, no, just kidding. Uh, I don't know if I have an idol. Idol. I I feel like I, there's a lot of people that have been really instrumental in how I've grown up or really instrumental in the choices I've made as an adult. Um, there have been people in my ward that I've really thought I want to, I want to work hard at some of the things that they do or the skill, some of the skills that they have and family members. There are things, I think there's just different traits from so many different people. I don't really have a like a one and done. Like I had a Leonardo DiCaprio poster on my wall when I was a kid, but I don't think he's much my idol. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> I think that was more a crush. So. Leo. Not idol. Not idol status. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I don't really think I have an idol. I think I just have a lot of people that have had some really great things that have pushed me into kind of the person I am. Nice. Awesome. How important is education in your life? You you did start in or you took schooling to become a teacher, right? Special yeah, I was teacher. A, yeah, I did actually education. I was I went to school in Lethbridge at the college to do special needs teaching assistant. And um, it's funny because as a teenager when I graduated, school was not really big on my radar. I I've always just wanted to be a mom. And I know that sounds super cliche to some people, but I remember thinking like, I just want to be a mom, have kiddos and hang out at home. And, um, and yeah, I went down to Lethbridge because I had friends that lived down there and I thought this would be a great spot to just, it's not Fort McMurray and it's something completely different. So I thought I'm going to just do it. And the, as I, I worked or did odd jobs and, and things, I, the only reason I ended up going to school was because my mom said to me, if you're going to go to school, this is your last year. We're going to actually be able to help you in any way because Leslie graduates. So you're going to have to, we have to help her next. So if you're not going to do anything, like this is your last year. 
And I remember thinking, oh man, I should go look at like a catalog and check out. And I always, I always, always had a bit of a connection. I had a fellow in my elementary grade five class who moved all the way up to grade nine with us who had Down syndrome. And I was a partner for him lots of times. He delivered newspapers with me. I took him on bus rides. Like he was just a great kid. And I learned a lot from him in elementary school. And he was just so great. There was um, a girl at church who had special needs that I was paired up with lots to, oh, make sure that you get some of her crayons or her favorite coloring sheets and you can sit with her if she doesn't have like they don't have an extra person in your class to help out with her and my great grandma fostered special needs kids and then eventually adults and so we were around special needs lots and I thought I, I think I could do this I, I feel like I'm this is something I really enjoy and so I did that for school and I absolutely loved it it was and thinking back now, having like a child of my own with special needs, I was like, like that was some divine intervention. Right. I was going to say, because like, I mean, how many people look at it and say, okay, I want to go to school to be an assistant or a, mm -hmm. a teacher or whatever for special needs, mm -hmm. right? Like how many people say that's the direction they want to go? They, they always mm -hmm. say, I want to do education or whatever, right? Yeah. But no, for you it was, to choose that path right off the bat. No, it was something that I always felt super passionate about once once I moved into once I had to choose school, once my mom made me do school. It was, once you're forced into it. <laughs> once I was forced into my education. But going through school even, I worked in group homes for like special needs adults and it it just I think you really need to love it to want to do that. Because right. it is not an it is not an easy job. You're you're doing personal care for other people, and you're sometimes uh, some of the classrooms I've worked in have been really really difficult. I worked in a junior high behavior class, and I remember getting like a face like socked in the eye from a kiddo, punched right in the eye, and I came home for Christmas like not even a week later, and my dad's like, oh, and this big black eye, and he's like, don't you just want to like deliver pizza or something? That would be way safer. Like he was so upset and you know sometimes I tell stories about this behavior class this kid came to school every day with like a homemade shank in his backpack and it was like part of your routine you would just check his backpack every day and take out whatever shank or knife he had like add it to my collection in my oh. locked drawer right <laughs> it, it, it uh, just nobody wants to get stabbed with a shiv <laughs> no no <laughs> right teaching day but I also felt like there were so many so many amazing moments that you yeah. would watch kids that were picking up like sign language we did sign language alphabet and this one kid when he started being able to sign mom it was like a game changer you would feel such a reward or a kiddo who learned to like print their name over top of dots not even independently and you were just you were cheerleading for them because it was so so you were so proud of them nice. or being or doing personal care for people like, I just feel like that's some pretty intense service when you're wiping someone's tush and it's not your own and it's not your kids. Right. I, right. It, I just, you felt, I felt super validated in my job and I felt tons and tons of love and pride doing this job. Right. Right. So, yeah, I feel like education is pretty important because when you feel passionate about something and you've been 
taught how to do it. And education looks so different for everybody. I, I feel like it's so different for everybody. There's education in a classroom, there's education by training, there's hands-on, like it's just so different for everybody and it's really how you learn is the best way to figure out what you wanna do and how you wanna go forward with that because I feel like pretty much anything is education. Do I wanna push my kids to, to find something that they're passionate about and really, really, really forge into that? Yep, because I feel like education is pretty amazing and nice. pretty important in this time in the world. Nice. And I won't ask answer the ask the uh, next part of that question because you just answered it <laughs> about classroom or life lessons because there is multiple facets of learning, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And everybody's different. Some people learn only by hands-on. Mm -hmm. they, they can't read a book and comprehend yep. stuff. You have to show yep. them and they have to do it, right? No, it's just um, different for everybody. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So how do you know when you know? That is a very, very, could be many things question. <laughs> right. I don't feel like I ever really know. <laughs> I don't ever feel like I really know. I think in our life, you're constantly changing. You're constantly trying. I feel like there are some things that you achieve, but even once you achieve them, there are so many different facets of it that you keep, it, it is continually changing. So I don't ever feel like you really know, no, or you might think you do. And then something else comes your way and you're like, okay, just kidding. No idea. Like, yeah. I, I thought having kids, I had one kid who with severe needs. So I'm like, I can take pretty much whatever comes next. I, I know, I know. <laughs> and then that was like, pfft. or yeah. a relationship. I, John and I have been together for like 18 years. And I'm like, this is solid. We like, no, no. And then he'll say something random. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know that about you. I would never, pick. I think you are constantly learning. You are constantly evolving and constantly changing. And even when you get to a point, maybe you think it's like work-wise. Oh, I'm at a point. I know what I'm like. I know everything's settled. It's good. Something else pops up. I don't think you ever really know. And I never feel like I'm in the know of anything. So, so just constantly changing. I think constantly it's con learning. Things are constantly changing. You're constantly learning. And I feel like your goals are continually changing. Even when you get one goal done, you're, you're going to change it and evolve into another thing. So I don't feel... I don't feel until you're like dead and gone, you don't really know anything. Once you're done, then you get to, you get to really view everything that's happened in life. And that's when you know. So yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> that's when you know. It's not, it's, it's completely different after and things are going to change and shake up in a different way that way. But right. then you know about this stuff here. Yeah. So you've, you've played a lot of sports in your life. I know that. Yep. Um, what kind of experiences have you gained from being part of a team or in a team environment? Mm, I think you learn to get along with people you don't always think you would. You learn to take direction from coaches or um, people that they put in charge of you. You need to learn to be humble because it's, you're not the superstar. Regardless if you think you are, you're you're not you're part of a team so I think it's sports are humbling unless you're an individual athlete but even then 
even then you're not, you have a coach, you have people that are watching your mentor. I, I think sports is super humbling. It can be if you choose to let it. And I think you learn an awful lot about yourself and about other people and being patient, working hard, and really just getting outside your own head. Nice. Okay. So let's uh, flip part of that around because you talked about having coaches and, and, you know, leaders on your team. What if, what if you were the leader? What if you were the captain or the alternate captain on a team? It would go down. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I, I coached Neely's first year of soccer when it's like still really cute and it's like kids, it's like herding cats. They're running around and you're playing tag games. And if I had to be in charge of anything higher than the three-year-olds, I like kudos to those people for having to come up with plans for organization and for listening to like the back talk from like when three-year-olds are telling you to back off of them, you're like, all right. I can't imagine when they're like 12, 15, 20. I, if anything, you hope that you come at it from, from kind and patient and understanding and being firm in your knowledge. You hope that you have the knowledge to back up what you're in charge of bestowing on other people. Kind of like knowing that you know. Well, you hope. <laughs> you hope. But then you have some like 12-year-olds smack talking. You're like, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I've heard so yeah. many different stories. Like for my sports, it was always, I always had lovely coaches. I never had, I never had yucky experiences in sports at all. Like until I blew my knee out and that was a super bummer and things kind of went downhill after that. But I've heard stories from like John on his teams or things where coaching was not great or there were things that had happened. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Cause it's hard. It's hard being in charge of, of other people and trying to teach them and show. So I think teachers and coaches like kudos, you deserve, you deserve all the stuff. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, I spent a lot of years coaching hockey and I always Mm -hmm. made a point my coach that I always coached with for 25 years, we always made a a point of coaching kids that were 15, 16, 17, you know, old enough that if they did talk back to you, you could talk back to them. Mm -hmm. Like not, not like a little kid where you got to be careful what you say to them. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, we weren't, we weren't rude or ignorant but we were firm and, you know, yep. my, it's my rules. didn't take crap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. And, and being the coach of a team is definitely an experience. You have to, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you're not dealing with one person or one oh. uh, attitude or one type of attitude or person. No. You're well, and not even 15 of them. Right. And their families. There are and some hardcore parents. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I remember going to watch some of John's games and watching like moms or dads and you're like, oh gosh. <laughs> it's a lot. It is like that. I'ma bring the orange slices and the treats. I'll bring the orange slices. I'll be that mom. <laughs> right. No, no, I we made a point Kudos. with our boys. 
and Mackenzie because all my kids played hockey, but we made yeah. a point of being the parents because I coached so much. Nancy and I made a point of being the parents that didn't say nothing to the coach about how he's coaching. Mm-hmm. He's doing a job and he's volunteering to do that job. Mm-hmm. So we give him the leeway, yeah. right? He's taking control of it and he's the guy. Yeah. And if the kids would come to me and say, oh, coach doesn't blah, blah, blah. We would say, well, you need to go talk to your coach about it. Yeah. Don't talk to us. Yeah. I'm not going to talk to your coach. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, being a coach, I've been in a situation where me and Dale, my coaching partner, I had a big parents meeting and I walked out. I said, I'm done. See ya. Have a nice day. Well, all the kids are freaking out because you're leaving. Yeah. Because they want you there. Yeah. It's the parents that are causing the problems. Which can make it tricky. It does. I always feel like unless you're willing to pop on that volunteer shirt, your job is to be, you're a spectator and you're a helper in whatever way you can be. Support. Because you're not, you're not popping on the shirt. You, you just get to teach your kids. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, and that's what I've told multiple parents over the years is like, I'm here and it, and I, I mean, you know, I coached teams that didn't even have my kids on them. Mm-hmm. So I had six kids playing hockey and I was coaching somebody coaching that was three else, years yeah. above them, right? Like yeah. not even the same age group as my kids. Yeah. So, so these parents would be arguing with you and I would just say, Hey, you can feel free to be the coach here and I'll leave, mm-hmm. you know? I don't even have a, I have zero vested interest in this team. My kids aren't here. You know, my wife and I come out and watch these games and coach these games because we like doing it. So if you want to step up, have at her, we'll leave, you know? Yeah, no, I know, I know I could never be a coach. The reason I'm an EA is because I know I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be a helper. I'm a side. I don't like being in charge. I don't want to like tell people what to do. You just tell me what you want me to do. I'll bring the orange slices or I'll hang out with the three-year-olds because it knocked 50 bucks off of my soccer. Right? That's exactly. how I'll coach. That's and, my coaching. And all coaches need those people or all, yeah. all teachers need those people. You know, I'll, you be, I'll be your side hustle. Help. I don't need to do. I don't need to be in charge. I'm a second born by nature. I'll just do the, you just tell me what to do. I'll do it. You just be the older sister and tell me what's right? going on. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, what is your biggest motivator? Oh, my kids and John, without yeah. a doubt. They are the ones that make me want to do the things I need to do, the things I don't want to do. They're the ones that everything happens for. For yes. yeah, I no one else is gonna do some of the things. So yeah, I gotta do it and don't always want to, but you know it's for them. So you do it. There's just there's right. nothing else that motivates like your family. Nice. What is your biggest fear? My biggest fear is dying before JC. I used to think that it would be losing my children, but I've lost one. And so my thought process is super different. I know that John and I are a solid unit and 
I would never want the responsibility to fall on someone else for JC. Right. I, even her sister. I don't want her sister to have to be the one to make tough decisions or to put her life on hold or her life at a different, I know she will one day and she would do it happily. So would cousins, right. so would my sisters, so would anybody in my family as we love JC. Right. My biggest fear is that I will not be around to take care of the things that may happen for her. Nice. Nice. She's oh, very I didn't special want to cry girl. on this. <laughs> well, you don't. You don't have to cry. You can. You can just pretend they're happy tears. <laughs> These are tears of happiness, people. <laughs> um, what inspired you to choose the career you're in? I guess you kind of already answered that with, um, your special needs. Mm-hmm. children in school that you yep. were spent time with and stuff yeah okay um is there anything else in your life that you would like to do other than what you currently do now oh if i could pick like another job yeah like if i was going to do something different with my life i always wanted to be a police officer when i was young in high school even i wanted to do that and dad told me I was too short. <laughs> you know, he said, no, you're too short. I don't think you can do that. And I don't think you should do that. In hindsight, now it's because he didn't want me to do it because it was dangerous. <laughs> right, right. No, he said, no, you're too short. And then when I blew up my knee, oh, well, you definitely can. Now they're not going to accept you. Feel sorry. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I always, always had wanted to do and is a regret actually in my life is I always wanted to join the army. I always thought that would be something that I would be really proud to do that. I, and dad used to joke in high school. Oh yeah, you should like, you should do that. You could do that for sure. They'll pay for your college. You do that. (laughs) And yeah, you do that. Four kids, you do that. They'll pay for your your schooling. And then when September 11th happened, he's like, no, you're too short. You can't do that. Because <laughs> like, before all that, it was like peacekeeping missions, nice, like humanitarian things. And then September 11th happened and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you're too short. You can't do that. <laughs> and so, yeah, those are two things that I, that I would have really loved to have done. And I see a, a friend of mine, she's just like an acquaintance and has four small children and they're not even small, small anymore. And was a stay-at-home mom, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, put in her paperwork and went to. And she's an RCMP officer. Like went to training, went and did all this. And she's like, out of the blue, and I'm going, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that's an awful lot of getting in shape. I'd have to do now. I just, <laughs> I just don't got the oomph no more. I have old woman knees, and I am short. <laughs> it's not the thing anymore. <laughs> But yeah, I'm, if I could have done I'm anything. Short else. and tired. Short and tired. I don't know if John would want to be in charge at home all the time. It's not as fun as you thought it would be. Yeah. Like you're in charge of the snack cupboard, but <laughs> but no, those are if I if I could have done anything else, those would have been the things that I would have wanted to have done. Yeah. If you could be anything at all, um, or do anything at all, without any possibility of failure, what would it be? Oh, without failing and just knowing I would be perfect at it? Yeah. 
I am not very artistic at all. That is so something. I am clumsy. It, I don't have like fine. I'm. It's just. It's it skipped me. It went from like my mom to my sister, and it skipped me. Um, but if I could do it, and I know it wouldn't look terrible, I would love to paint. I would love to take like a painting class and paint. I see so many people, and I think oh, that's paint amazing. But yeah. Chapel. Right? Traveling, when John and I backpacked through Europe, all the like artwork and the amazing like artistry, oh, it was like, loved it. Breathtaking, one of those That's things. Awesome. And if I knew it would look good and it wouldn't look like smudges, <laughs> that would be something that I would really love. That's awesome. What do you do in your spare time to take your mind off things? I mean, you, you're really busy with your two girls and mm -hmm. john so like all three of them <laughs> like all three of my children <laughs> <laughs> but what do you do in it your spare help. time to take you know take your mind off things when say john comes home from work and he takes over with the girls um I mean, besides I love your ice cream and diet coke the diet coke <laughs> and my like tree pool yes it is definitely yes <laughs> Um, I love reading. I've always loved reading. I always have like a book on the go. When pandemic hit and I was going to be at home homeschooling kids, I was like, oh my gosh. And Don, like within a few days, he ordered a people subscription because sometimes I'm like, I just need a trashy magazine where I don't even have to really pay attention because I only have 15 minutes to read something. But it's like a cool article or like catch up on my celebrity gossip, all the ridiculous things. And within days had ordered like a year subscription for me because he's like you're going to be home with kids you need a little something something that you can right. just pick up random so i love reading i love binge watching some random netflix stuff i like scary movies and scary shows and like comedy stuff and so i like to nice. binge watch when my kids are in bed so i can just shut off my brain and not think about anything and i have a like close family so i get together with my sisters and my mom and i have a couple just solid solid friends that i go crash at their house i'll go drop off kids will be going to bed or don will be in charge and i can drive over to their house in pjs no bra with snacks on my arms and drop on her couch or drop on drop on a couch and watch a show with her just to visit and decompress about the day or when my days are yucky marco polo back and forth or you know i get nice. to I just have a couple solid friends that I know when I'm feeling yucky or garbagey or things are really hard, I can just go and dump it and they just have my back. We, they like jump on board with somebody. They're, they're going to snack talk and be mad with me. <laughs> if it's just been a tough day, they're going to have snacks and be good to go and do whatever. So nice. I just have a solid, a solid unit of people and I like reading and I like watching shows. It's I'm very, 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 very easygoing. I would say I'd go work out all my energy, but that's just a dirty fib. <laughs> yeah, well, you do, you know, that Diet Coke, it gives you some arm curls. Uh, you know what? I was, I had a memory pop up the other day on my Facebook feed that was like, don't judge me. It was like 830 in the morning and it was like, I'm having a Diet Coke and I'm eating some chocolate cake. Don't touch me. It's like 8.30 in the morning. And I was like, there's like days that that still happens. I can't even. That's awesome. Yep. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, this is water, by the way, in a like yeah. reusable cup in my very, which is <laughs> water. It's water. It's water. <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing in your life that you've accomplished so far that you're most proud of? I think my relationship with Dawn is one of the things that I am most proud of. Okay. I, we started dating in high school, so it was a long time ago and I was 17. He was 17. I'm sure people thought like it's high school, whatever. <laughs> and it's been 18 years of hanging out and he, he is like my favorite person. Like he wasn't nice. this morning, but he is my favorite person. <laughs> he is now. In almost all the t in all the time, like if yeah. ever ever I'm having a tough day, I know he's got my back. If ever ever he's having a tough day, he knows I have his back. We have had tough things happen in our lives between things with kids, between things with parents, between things with siblings, I yeah. financial stuff, like physical stuff, medical things. I just, we've had an awful lot that have rolled out in our life and you would think that it would be harder, but it isn't, it isn't for us. It is yeah. almost easier because we just know we are always nice. going to be solid for each other. He's just my favorite person and I want him awesome. to always be my favorite person. So I think that relationship is the most proud thing that I have in my life. Like my kids awesome. are great too, but I think Don and I relationship. They're pretty good. They're okay depending on the day, but I think that that guy will be my my most uh, my most uh, proud thing. Nice, that's awesome. So, can I ask a question about you and mm -hmm. John in high school? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, did you like date him? Like, did you just find him, or did you date him because he was like one of the cousin's friends? <laughs> just, just asking. <laughs> He actually, <laughs> he actually was dating one of my really good friends and, um, and it was grade 11. So relationships usually are pretty short and quick and grade 11 and like some aren't, people. but yeah. And so they dated for a little while and they broke up and she actually started seeing one of his really good friends and him and I just kept chatting and connecting. And we talked for a long time before we actually started spending time together and I think that was one of the biggest things in grade 11 and texting wasn't a thing like we didn't have cell phones so right. it was I'm sure my mom was like get off the phone kid and get off ICQ was the cool thing <laughs> I'm sure she was so S bird was on my phone all the time and we would talk for hours sometimes and then when we nice. actually started spending time together I think probably one of the we we were dating for maybe not even a month and grandma and grandpa came home off their mission and we had a big family dinner and I remember telling auntie and you that yeah I was bringing like John Bird and she, oh, we know John Bird and I was like is he good or is he bad like what is he gonna tell me yeah. I only know the good and and yeah so it was kind of funny he came to this big big family dinner and um met like everybody like everybody and he said it was nice to know a couple other faces other than like our family yeah and so yeah yeah that hockey that hockey boy thing although <laughs> it did not go to all the games i was not a fighter 
It was like, not. I will, I'm going to say it again. I was not. <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he was just always really, really kind. And he was really funny. And he always treated me with respect. Like he was never... I knew some of the guys on the hockey team, the way that they treated like their girlfriends or the way that they spoke. And I was like, oh, and he was just not that at all. He was friends with those guys, but was never really deep in that. And he was just always a really respectful, nice kid. Good. And so, yeah. Good. Cause I don't want to have to have a chat with him. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle at this point, I'm really not afraid to give him the what's what if I have to. <laughs> No, no, that has carried on. That has carried on to even, even as we have been together this long, like church callings, I've had some pretty important church callings. And this guy who's not a member of our church comes on Sundays. He comes and sits with the girls so I can play the organ or I can teach a class or, you know, whatever, whatever my job is, he's, he's there to do. And he's he's like a supportive server. He's just kind. He's a good fella. John's a great kid. He's a pretty he good is. guy. Yeah. And probably that, like, that you guys were friends with him was really one of the rubber offers back in the day. Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope he didn't pick up any of my stuff. <laughs> what is something that you've done in your life that you wish you could go back and change? Oh. I don't, I don't even have a lot of, I don't have a ton of things that I I feel like I would change. There's nothing that's yucky, yucky that stands out to me. Sometimes there are little things that like crop up that I, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that to that person. Or I wish I would have, I wish I would have handled that a little bit better. But there's nothing I don't feel that was really so standout-ish that I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a life altering thing. Even like relationships, I've had some. John and I dated in high school and we broke up for about a year when we both went to college, just because my mom said, you really need to make sure he's the right person for you. And the way you're going to know that is by spending time with a few other people and getting to know. And so we did, it was not like a want to, but it was, it was a good thing. But some of the relationships I had in there were not great, but I also feel like they were real lessons. That yeah. Things that really, shaped who I would be as like a woman or as a partner or things that I was going to do or things that I wasn't going to do or things that I would look for in a future person. So even those things like, yeah, I don't think I have one thing, just some, a lot of littles, like I should have not said that or I should have said that better or things like that. But at the same time, things that have happened, you wouldn't necessarily change them because they've shaped who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right I mean, yeah if you didn't do that would it change who you are now yep right would yep. you be a different person totally well and even some of the things that I think that you would have done like some of that guilt that you live with and you feel it kind of still shapes who you are and makes you think going forward how you're going to do things different or what you would do differently it's it's not always a nice thing to have to live with or a nice thing to have to think about but I also feel like you do constantly just so that you know going forward what you're going to do different so right right yeah I don't know if there's anything solid that I would go back and change 
what do you think would be the biggest, um, let me rephrase that. What would you say has made the biggest difference in how successful you have become? Probably our families. I don't feel like John and I would be where we are as a relationship or where we are financially or where we are as parents without having our family support and their guidance and their experience. I feel that we've just really, really been fortunate in having tight families and close families on either side that have really helped develop who we are and develop how we parent and given us support in the things that we've done. And nice. yeah, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are. Nice. That's awesome. Without those things. What do you think in your past has given you your greatest life, life lesson? By far, JC. The things that she has taught me, and not that both my girls are so, so important to me, but I think all the things surrounding JC are what has really made me who I am. I've had to learn to advocate differently than I would. I think that um, the things that I've had to do for her, the things that I've had to um, teach other people about her, if I didn't have her, I would be significantly different. Our, our life would be significantly different. I would not be near the person that I am because the things that surround her really, really has impacted her and how I am. Nice. Okay. Um, what would be the greatest piece of advice ever given to you so far and who gave it to you? Um, ugh, I'm like scrolling through the random things people have said to me. <laughs> Margo's is pretty poignant. My dad often would say, like, um, oh, how did he go? Pretty much it was like, don't be stupid. Don't, don't do something stupid. And he would say that, like when I would be going out with friends or I would be like when I moved away, don't be stupid. But it was, I can't think I said it without it coming across. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> make, make smart choices. Yes. Always, always. Whenever we would go out with friends, don't be stupid. Don't, don't do anything. Yeah. It was his advice. Always don't, don't make dumb choices. Your friends are doing it. Don't do it. When I moved away, don't be stupid. Like make proper choices and, yeah. And be a good person. <laughs> Those were always the things that he would tell you. Yeah, your dad's an amazing guy. Mm. He's Auntie Nancy's favorite, you know that. <laughs> he was a lot of people's favorite. He, <laughs> we definitely he was, missed him. He was an amazing guy. He was pretty great. What will be meaningful to you in five years? I think the relationships that I've developed with people, 
the friendships, my family members, working hard at all of those. I just think that's transcendent. It just continues. It's always going to be super important to me. I think anything else that I have, material-wise, just it's great to have, and I so so am grateful for it. But the things that'll be important to me in another five years are going to be the relationships that I have with my friends and my family, and that hopefully you maintain them and move along with them. Nice. I, I would hope that that's something that's still really important in five years to me. Why is it so important to have positive relationships or positive attitudes with the people you deal with? Oh, I can't imagine. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a negative Nelly. I am not Susie Sunshine a lot of the time. I am not... I always joke I'm not an optimist and I'm not a pessimist. I'm just kind of a realist. I think having like the experiences in our life between JC or medical things that we've had between John or I and we always joke about if we didn't have bad luck, we probably wouldn't have very much luck at all. I just feel like we're pretty real in our decision making and going forward. So man, I have got to have some positive people around me to keep me to keep me afloat and keep me going because in tough things even in pandemic choosing to homeschool and do online learning would not have been my first choice if I like JC Bird is keeping all of us like home so that it doesn't take her out so we try really hard to be cautious and smart by her but I feel like I could definitely be uh, live in my nighty, eat chocolate cake, drink Diet Coke, don't want to see anybody, don't want to talk to anybody, super crabby about the situation. <laughs> if I didn't have some of those positive things, like Jenny, who tells me about how lovely homeschooling is, and yeah. come on Friday so we can do really fun things together, or, you know, getting to FaceTime, like Nanny, and my mom, and Leslie, and Mikey, like, getting to FaceTime all those family members every day who are like, oh, girls, it's so nice to see you. And you're like, is it? Is it yeah. so nice to see us again? But yeah, I feel like um, because I'm pretty real in the middle there, it is super, super important to me to have nice. this. Or like, it would just be a hot mess at this house. Yeah. <laughs> do you do any meditation or yoga or any type of self-healing or self-awareness um, work? I took two yoga classes nice. with my sisters and my mom and my grandma. Nice. I My favorite pose was corpse pose because I didn't have to do anything. I was just laying <laughs> flat. Um, quite often would fall asleep during it because awesome. I'm just exhausted. I that's don't. good. <laughs> After I did my second one, I was like, I'm out. You guys continue. Yeah. <laughs> it is so not my bag. I'm not good at it. I'm not I'm not going. I love Franklin, our instructor, but Franklin and you guys aren't keeping me coming. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't have, I just really enjoy my own little breaks. I don't have a lot of meditation or yoga or anything. I really like a nice car ride with some Beatles or some 80s tunes, Elton John. I like that's my like peace and quiet is to go for a drive. Any errands I have to run with my music that's, blaring. That's kind of a meditation all in itself. 
that's all that's all I you, can you, you just let that music flow into your mind and you forget the world right pretty much yep pretty much all yep. by yourself driving in the car yeah it doesn't work if there's short people with you i've learned so it really has to be like dad comes home and then i'm like okay i'll get whatever yeah. the grocery one thing that you might need sure i'll grab it let me get it i'll, I'll go buy a toothpick <laughs> right pretty much <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I was pretty proud of my two yogas, but that was about it. I was out. <laughs> yeah. If you had a magic wand and could go back, or if you had a magic wand and could do one thing for you, what would it be? I would, does it have to be for me or does it people around me? Well, it could be for people around you, I guess. I would want to, I, I know that maladies in life or tough health things in life are for people to learn. I know that they're things that develop character and that they help the people around us learn to serve. I know all those things, but if I had a magic wand, that would be, it would be gone. All yeah. of those yucky things that people have to endure yeah that we are supposed to learn from or that we are supposed to um be able to have experience to recognize and be grateful for other things i get it but it would be gone nice nice so maybe it'd not be, for myself in 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 uh succession it would be but it'd, yeah. it'd be for everybody including yourself <laughs> right I would could, I would reap the benefits. <laughs> right, exactly. I would reap the benefits. Exactly. <laughs> if you could write a letter to your younger self, what age would it be? And what advice would you give? Holy smack, it would be when I I can tell you exactly. It would be when I was 21 and Don and I had just finished our year break and we were getting back together. And I would say for the love of all that's holy, develop a workout routine of some kind and stop eating McDonald's at 11 p.m. Because that, <laughs> that was our downfall. That was John's and my downfall yeah. in the health department. Up until that point, we played sports or we were fairly active, but both of us going to school and I worked two jobs. And that was the only night on a Friday night that we would get to have like dates pretty much was I worked a three to 11 o'clock shift after school and Don would meet me at McDonald's because it was the only thing open that we were, could like afford as poor students. And we would drive through and then sit in the parking lot and eat it. And the lady even knew our order. That's how terrible it was. <laughs> but that was like our go-to date night because we were broke students and I had to work two jobs. So that was like our window of time that we really yeah. got to actually spend time and visit. And, and now like at any point legit, I could tell myself to get it together and do that, but it is easier said than done. Back then when you still were like, I don't have kids, so they're not cramping my workout style. They don't have to, they don't have to eat McDonald's cause that's all they want to eat now. That's what I would do. I'd be going back and telling myself, stay in shape. You are going to have to carry somebody for the rest of your life. Get in better shape. <laughs> Stay away from that stuff. Stop, stop eating McDonald's and hanging out at 11 p.m. Because that's, yeah, that was our downfall. 
if like you there'd could, be other, there'd be other really great things, but that would be one of the bigs. Right. <laughs> I think it broke. I think it broke us. <laughs> if you could have lunch in a chat with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? My dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that there are some really great people, probably. <laughs> But I would just want to see my dad again. But he is and great people. He is great people. He's not like famous, like run a country, but he did manage our circus. But no, if I could get to chat with my dad again, hands down. Your dad had some very uh, inspiring things to say to people. Hmm. You know, he always had that... He was so soft-spoken, but he always had that advice or mm-hmm. that, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. He was easily approachable. I think that's what it was. Oh, easy to talk and to anything all the time. that he said, yeah, people just because he wasn't a big talker and he was soft-spoken and easy to approach, I feel like a lot of what he said just came out that way. Yeah. And he is a very smart man, too. Especially when he would tell you kids that you were his favorite. Oh, that is, I can remember when that like bubble burst, that bubble burst, I was working on a brownie badge and he was helping me cook bacon and eggs. And he's like, you know, kids, you're my favorite. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're my favorite. Yes. Down low, can't share that with anyone. And it was, I don't know, a day or two later, and I was in, I walked into the living room around the corner, and he was helping Jenny with something, and he put his arm around her, you know, kid, you're my favorite, and I was like, <gasps> like, I was <laughs> crushed and shocked, and like, what a dirty rat, I can't believe <laughs> you tell all the girls that, <laughs> but that was just the joke, he said that to all of us kids all the time, like, we, like, even asking him, we were on a ferry, and Dad, if this ferry went down, like which one of us would you save? And I like try to figure out who the favorite really was. And he like barely hesitated, and he's like, "Your mom, we would just have more kids." <laughs> like, <laughs> right? See, he, he always had great advice to give. Like <laughs> great advice. Like you, yeah, I you mean, <laughs> he would never get stuck in that question. Mm-mm, no. Right? Yeah. No. If I had time with him again, yep, that would be. That would there are be tons excellent. of other people, maybe as my second choice, but yeah, I just want to just want to hang out with him again, tell him all the things that were going on awesome. again. Nice. That's awesome. If you could send one message to the whole world, what would it be? For the love, just be kind. We are here like a short time. There is so, so much more, so much more. And just be kind. Nice. Just be kind and love each other. There. There is no reason. No, no reason to be no. haters. No, all the yucky things. Oh, if people yeah. were just kind, there there would be a lot less yucky. There would be a yep. lot less yucky. Yeah. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Italy. Fort McMurray? No, not so much. <laughs> not so much. It would be Italy. I yeah. loved, love, love, loved the history, loved the art. Loved the food. John and I, when we backpacked, it was like one of the most learning experiences ever. We 
quit our jobs and sold all of our stuff and just left for a few months to backpack in Europe after we were married nice. for about a year. Cause we, I knew we wanted to do that before we had kids. And so yeah, quit our jobs after a year of being married and sold everything and took off and backpacked for three months in Europe and everything was so cool. But yeah, I loved Italy. I loved the culture. I loved all the history and oh yeah, the food was amazing. Nice. Was, there are, I'm sure, tons of other places that I haven't visited that I would love to eventually be at. But being there and knowing, yeah, totally. Nice. No question, hey? Question. Boom. Done. <laughs> What's your feel-good music? What type of music do you listen to that makes you happy? I listen to a lot of oldies. Like, we have the Beatles and the Eagles, Zeppelin, Elton John, my parents we grew up listening to records all the time. There was always records. I remember coming home in high school with friends for lunch on a spare. And we opened the door and my dad's sitting on the floor in like his robe with PJ pants, going through all of his old records, sitting with his records out. Right. And one of my friends is like, this is like, that, like the coolest thing. I'm like, what is it? It is like noon. It is noon. <laughs> is it cool? <laughs> but it was. Uh, we grew up listening yeah. Listening to the oldies on records, my mom would, we would have Saturday morning chores and my mom would pop on Huey Lewis in the news on the record, loud as it could be, she hated vacuuming and everybody would have a job and you'd be listening to oldies records. So yeah, I have a ton of oldies on my, on my phone. I have a ton of like folk and hippie kind of stuff. I have random like rap on I John always says my phone is like the most eclectic weird mix. I have Elvis Presley, I have 80s, I have super obscure like John always says my phone is just an eclectic mess of music. I if I hear something and I like it, I like put it on my mix and nice. It's it's a lot, but yeah, I grew up listening to the oldies and those are just staples. staples. You need to pick me up awesome. you pop on the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome if you were stranded on a desert island and the device you had to play music on would only play one song over and over and it would never shut off what song would that be the beatles here comes the sun nice yeah that would be a good one that would that would be it's upbeat and it's always like positive right it's always good like yeah. i said I, if i don't have any positive people around me I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need a song at least to do the dirty work. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so final question. Allison Bird has lived a long life. She's accomplished everything she's ever thought of. You know, learned everything you could ever learn. Being the most amazing person you could ever be. And when you leave this world, there's nobody would know who Allison Bird is. But you could leave behind three lessons for life what would those three lessons be be kind don't sweat the small stuff and laugh often nice that's I feel awesome like most most of the yucky things as long as john and i could laugh through them it was okay yep and yeah gotta be kind yeah. and and it's true what margo says don't sweat that small stuff because nice it's not that's amazing. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Allison. We appreciate it. And, Super uh, fun, Uncle. <laughs> it's awesome. 
I hope that people watching enjoy the interview and like some of your answers and uh, maybe they look at things and say, hey, you know, that's something I can use in my life or something to help people out, right? You know, so I hope that uh, this helps people. Well, I awesome. hope it doesn't make them depressed, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nothing else. I hope they're not sad watching it. <laughs> they'll all laugh. <laughs> Sounds like, Again. are you going to be really ridiculous? I was like, I'm just going to be normal. And he's like, oh, Jason's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much for your time, Allison. Very it fun. It's been Lessons for Life. I'm Troy Hudkins with my guest, Allison Hinko, and tune in next time for another podcast. Thank you. <laughs>